start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jay Allen Show. I hope everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods. So, did you enjoy the long weekend? Did you have a long weekend? Maybe that's the question to ask. Anyways, today's February the 22nd. As we're getting to hang out on this lovely Tuesday and doing the things that we are doing. So a lot of things going on inside of our little industry. If you probably have noticed, if you haven't, let's talk about it real quick. There is a new book out by Sidney Decker and Todd Conklin that's known as Do Safety Differently. Yes, that's Do Safety Differently. They have released this book. They actually uh, co-wrote together about how to do safety differently is exactly what it is. If you have not picked it up, I will suggest strongly and recommend strongly picking up the book as it is a great read. If you want to do so, you're more than welcome on doing that. All you have to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash Amazon. That's safetyfm.com forward slash Amazon. That will take you directly to where our books are listed inside of there. So you can take a read of that. Tell me what you think. I think it's a, a great little read. Um, as you are aware, I have been talking about the book itself or Project X, as some people have referred to it. Um, so the book's out. We are working still on, or matter of fact, we're not working on it. We have uploaded everything for the audio books. So I'm assuming it should be out relatively short. Well, today I, I have to tell you, I decided to come in here. And I know it's kind of been kind of strange. So let's just be realistic. Where you have not heard this year a lot of interviews. And some people have reached out and asked me questions in regards to my no longer doing interviews. Well, that's not the case. So I don't want it to come across the wrong way. I have not booked as many interviews this year as I normally would because I thought it was important for you and I to be able to hang out and do some things um, besides the, the, the typical conversation of an interview. Um, I just thought that it might be some time for us to, to do some things together at first. Before we go into interview mode, don't worry. Before we get to an end to this whole thing, uh, meaning the year, we will have some some normalized interviews. I know I've done a couple so far this year. But today I wanted to get with you, and I really wanted you to think about this. And think about when you first got into safety. Now, that could be pretty recent, or that could have been a long time ago. 
And I sit back in times and I ask this question to people just trying to figure out what they're thinking. When you first got involved, was it by choice or was it a level of punishment? Now, keep in mind, there's several people that I have spoken through or spoken to throughout the years or spoken with throughout the years, better saying. And they have told me that they started off in safety because there was nothing left in the organization for them to do. So they were moved into that division more along the lines of punishment. Or were you blessed enough that you were able to get into safety because that was something that you wanted to do? Now, of course, everybody has a different journey on how they got there. And maybe when you got into it, you thought that this was going to be something that lasted very short term, which I'm sure a lot of people thought that originally when they first got into the world of safety. Now, I have to tell you, as I go through a lot of this stuff, and as I take a look around and try to make determinations on what's going to be best suited for some things, I sometimes sit back and go, I remember when I first got involved. And if anything, I remember the amount of questions that I had related to what I was supposed to be doing. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. Now, keep in mind that when I first got involved with safety, I was interacting mostly with people in the world of transportation and warehousing, so logistics and warehousing. And I always thought it was interesting on how I was going to get some level of knowledge to bring into an organization to be able to talk about this stuff. Because remember, I was not Mr. Mr. Logistics. I was not Mr. Transportation. I had gotten into this. I had some idea of warehousing because I had done that for a few years at that point. But I was looking at it and going, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing next? How do I bring information to people about this world and how they could be safer or safe at that portion? And if you're not very familiar with the world of transportation, at least when it comes to large box truck deliveries, and I'm not talking about delivering the box trucks. I'm talking about when like somebody delivers furniture or appliances or the big semi trucks, that kind of stuff. Most of it's done by a third party vendor. Most of this stuff is outsourced. So you're kind of doing one of these things that we'll call a business to business relationship. So all of a sudden now as an organization that you're doing business with, you tell your business partner that part of the guidelines have now changed to this big focus that we need to be talking about this level of safety, how we're going to be safer as we're on the road. These are the things that we're doing. Now, keep in mind here that at this point, when it comes to some of the DOT laws, they vary, of course, state by state, and the individual vendor is responsible for taking care of their DOT logs, taking care of their actual DOT number, which I'm good with that. 
but this is still a portion of when it comes to the bureaucracy side of the world. So how do you have these conversations of, I need you to be safe. I need you to follow these guidelines. We're in a business to business relationship. And this is what I need you to do. And it was interesting because at the time, and I'm not going to say how oh, I'm so old right now that the internet did not exist because that's not what I'm saying, but it was difficult to find places where you could gather this information. And it was interesting to me that you always had to go out and try to piece it together and see how it would work. Now, the organization that I was working for at the time, well, they were essentially at some point a different kind of company that ended up getting into transportation and getting into logistics. So they didn't even do that at first. It was just one of those things that they did something else and then they converted over. So asking them for a lot of the knowledge base of how do I do the work that I'm hired to do was not the easiest task. So after doing tons and tons and tons of research and trying to find out how to do the next great thing in the world of safety, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think as I mentioned this and talk about this right now, this is not something that most people would talk about. Because people want to sit back and go, well, I was great at what I was doing. Well, I'm going to tell you when I started off inside of this, and not that I think that I'm great now, so let's just make sure that I'm clear. It was very difficult to be able to portray some of these safety guidelines inside of the organization. And especially when you're interacting with business to business relationships, because it was, we are contracting you as an independent contractor, and now let's have the conversation of this is what we are holding people to standard-wise. Now, if you take a listen to what I'm saying there, that can sound to some that it doesn't sound very true independent contractor-ish, and that could be a debate for another day. But when you start having those conversations, how do you hold people, let's say, accountable? How do you hold people to a standard that you're even trying to understand better? Now, we can take the flip side of this real quick, and we can start talking about how does it incur inside of an employee-employer relationship? And I'm not going to say that that's the easiest, but there's more of a kind of a guide when it comes to that information of, okay, well, this is what I'm looking for. This is what we're hoping that you do. This is what we're we're hoping to accomplish. Now, I will tell you that from when I started inside of the world of safety to where I'm at now, I definitely don't see things in the same fashion that I did. Because back in the day, I think a lot of the stuff was do this or suffer the punishment. And I mean, it's unfortunate to say that, but I can see looking back now, and I probably even did notice it at the time, the errors of my way. Um, I will tell you years later, we were very heavily involved with the, um, with the behavior adaptation model when it came to putting um, cameras inside of vehicles where we could see inward and outward, meaning that we had a camera that was inward facing into the cab and then there was another camera that was facing towards the road. And we would take a look at it and there was trigger events that would occur with these cameras. 
there was trigger events that would happen that we would take a look at and go, okay, well, this trigger happened. This is the behavior that we're expecting. And if you didn't do X behavior, there was a good chance you were going to end up having a conversation with somebody inside of the safety department because things didn't go as, well, we'll say as the behavior modification camera um, was supposed to. And you were actually on a point rank system, meaning that if your points kind of were not so great, we can essentially tell you that you were uninsurable because you did not modify your behaviors. Now, these cameras were very interesting at the time. They had all kinds of bells and whistles. They had um, some flashing lights if you were not doing the proper things, such as lane change, blinkers, uh, essentially cutting people off, speeding. But they also made some some noises, So besides that we were saying, hey, we need you to make sure that you're driving properly, we're also at the same time giving you all these things that could get you to focus on things that are not so important while you're driving. And I'm talking about flashing lights and beeping sounds. Now, I will tell you the flashing lights and the beeping sounds is what our cameras had. There were other camera systems out there that told you exactly what the error was while you were doing it. And these cameras in And um, in connection also had a panic button. So if you thought things were not going great, you could hit a button inside of there. And all of a sudden the camera would start recording automatically because of the panic. Now I will tell you when it came to that camera system, after years of doing this, I thought that that was, you know, the best thing to happen. I thought that behavior modification based on camera and what we wanted you to have as behavior was so important that it would change everything. And I will tell you, inside of the organization that I was in at the time, that got me up the ranks pretty quickly because it was adapt or punish. Now, I will tell you this as well. I have had this conversation in the past, but I don't think I've ever put this on a recording before. I don't think I've ever spoke about this on the radio in regards of this. And in looking at it, it was probably not the most glamorous thing. I remember the level of fear that people had at times where all of a sudden they got a phone call from somebody inside of the safety department. Hey, we need to talk to you. And people would ask, of course, about what just come by would be normally the answer or there was a driving issue. So they automatically knew that there was something wrong inside of there. Now, these cameras at the time, this is years and years ago at this point, were so smart that if you tried to cover any side of the camera, the inward-facing camera or the outward-facing camera, it would actually trigger an event. And it would send stuff in, in real time if you had your notifications turned on. I remember at one point, I had the notifications turned on for everyone in the company. And I did not realize that I had turned that on. By the time that I went to lunch and came back and realized that the notifications were on because it did occur while I was at lunch, there was over a thousand notifications. And I don't want you to believe that it was some level of executive lunch. It was actually a lunch that was probably 30 to 40 minutes. And that's how many notifications I had because those things were constantly triggering. So I can't fathom from a driver standpoint, a vehicle operator, if one may, on how that interaction worked for them. Because all you're hearing is 
ring, 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 or a beep that this machine's making, or these flashing lights. So how do you get somebody to focus on the work at hand with all this going on? And yes, I understand that we were calling them behavior modification cameras and how important this was. But I look at this and I go, when I was going down the path, was this the correct thing to do? Now, don't keep, don't get me wrong. Eyes in the sky now are, are very popular throughout, regardless of what you're doing. But we're talking in a time that this was not super popular. This was something that we were requesting, requiring for the people to have um, just for us to be able to see what was going on because we didn't really know how to, quote unquote, manage safety. And I think that that's, at times, some of the struggles that we go through as safety people, as safety professionals, however you want to deem it, are people that are interacting with the safety department. Because think about this. A good idea, because it, it was a good idea, because I didn't really know what I was doing. But I thought it was a great idea of, hey, we can incorporate these items and it can help. And then looking back is, was I causing a benefit to the organization or was I causing more distractions? I mean, career-wise, yes, it did help me, but I just don't know if I helped out the end user. Were they safer? I guess because you, you were doing a modification to their behavior. Was that the correct way of actually um, moving forward with safety? I'm going to say no. I think there were some other things that probably took more time to do and you couldn't be in every vehicle. And I get it. Believe me, I get it. But it's the different methods that are out there that you're able to interact with people. And what you can do and can do, because it's not like, hey, all of a sudden you did something wrong inside of the vehicle. I caught it on a camera. Let me give you a phone call. I mean, think about that real quick. I called you. So now I even have you having another distraction. So as you sit back and take a listen to this, on this lovely Tuesday, if you are listening to it on Tuesday, of course. What do you think of? What were some of the original struggles that you had when you got inside of this world of safety? Did you change some of these things? Do you look back now and go, oh, this might have been a better solution? And I'm not trying to get into the coulda, shoulda, woulda scenario. I'm just trying to get into the whole conversation of there are people that are coming into the profession and they're struggling. And they're looking for ideas. Do you have an idea that can assist another person? Do you have an idea out there that could help someone else? And all you have to do is tell somebody where you might have potentially been successful or where you potentially might have failed. That's the thing about success and failure. You can take a look at certain things and go, I was successful at this. But how many failures did you have to get to that success? Because I think that at times, if we don't fail, we don't learn. And some people won't agree with that. But think about it. How often do you dig deeper when there's a failure in sight? Now, don't get me wrong. There are successes that you can learn from as well. So if you think about it today, think about that new safety professional that's out there that might be struggling, that doesn't know where to turn, would you be willing to assist her or him out there? Think about that person that you had to turn to for assistance. Think about the countless hours that you spent 
looking for information on how to do what you're currently doing. It's an interesting journey when you start thinking about it, but would you be willing to share with others what needs to be done? Or are you worried about your spot? Yeah, I know. It took kind of a weird turn there. But sometimes people are not willing to share information because of that reason right there. They're concerned about their spot. I don't want to be replaced within the organization. It's not about being replaced. I always look at it this way. If you can train somebody to take your position, you're probably just going to be better going off to another better position. That's what's going to end up probably happening in the long run. So I have always wanted to assist others on the same way that I would want somebody to assist me. I don't think it will be hurtful to you if you're able to share your knowledge base with others if they're struggling on how to get from point A to point B in this case. We're not going to say Z because they're still up and coming. Something that might be extremely easy for you might be something that's extremely difficult for another. Anyways, that's what I got for you on this lovely Tuesday. Wanted to share this information and think about it. Think about the struggles that you had as you started compared to where you are now. I've been your safety manager and host, Jay Allen. And until next time, be safe. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 440 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case. And you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.